Episode 209, Reverse the Chain of Command. I'm Andrew Murata, host of the Education Leadership and Beyond podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Educators, it's Gretchen of Always a Lesson, host of the Empowering Educators podcast. My goal here is to ensure that you stay empowered so that you can hone your craft, not just today or tomorrow, but always, because we're losing too many great teachers to other professions. And so I'm doing my best to provide guidance and inspiration so that you can retain your elite educator status, and then impact students and your colleagues for generations to come. I'm so excited to be in your ear today talking about allowing those you lead to lead you so that you can maximize your impact in classrooms and around the school building. So if you're a teacher leader, this episode is especially for you. I'm going to start off with my rationale. I know you love to hear the behind the scenes of how the heck I come up with these crazy topics. But I've been mulling something over for some time, and I thought I would learn how to be a better leader by learning about leadership. You know, reading all the books, listening to all the podcasts, following all the people. And it turns out I learned the most about leadership by leading. And when I paid attention to the reaction and the response of those I was leading, I started to collect what I call intel. And I used that insight to adjust my approach and my strategy. And then over time, I perfected my craft. And I'm not saying like I am 100% perfect or that I'm better than other people, but I have just learned how to use my experiences to work for me when it comes to my own development. Instead of trying to reach a certain height of competency, I just want to continue honing my skill set and habit of analyzing their responses. And so the more that I reflect and that I pay attention, the better I get at adjusting in the moment and saving relationships, building momentum, and then propelling others towards greatness. So in essence, I am trying to shorten the return time. And at first it would take me days to think through my adjustment, you know, plenty of time to talk myself in and out of many strategy revisions. But as I gained more experience, uh, became more attuned to finding the clues, I was able to turn that return time from days to hours to minutes. And for the most part, I am in a time and space where I can adjust in the moment. And I mean, maybe that's not a big deal for you because it just comes naturally to you. But for me, someone who started so far from where I wanted to be as a leader to now having closed that gap, I'm in a place where I'm proud of my accomplishment and I'm okay with that. And it's a big deal to me to set goals 
develop a plan and then work hard to make it a reality. So whether this is your struggle or your strength, I know that you can use the lesson I learned to help you hone your leadership craft. That's why I decided to call this episode Reverse the Chain of Command because I believe that is the strategy I uncovered to help me achieve my goal. And instead of focusing on what my leaders told me to do to better myself, I turned the other direction to the ones that I led to find my direction, feedback, insight, guidance, you name it. And at the top of the episode, I mentioned the lesson I learned was to allow those you lead to lead you. And just like students know you best, those you lead know you best too. They are at the receiving end of your support and then can shed light on how it feels to be led by you. And they can give you very specific feedback and inside information on every interaction or directive or partnership they've had with you. So why put so much emphasis on the opinion of someone who doesn't see the whole picture, like a principal or a supervisor or a curriculum coordinator, name your person, just go to the source, the recipient of your support. They can tell you the good, bad, and ugly of your approach. Their honesty and raw reactions, whether you agree with them or not, is extremely helpful as you learn to lead all types of people. I want to give you some examples here to work through what this might look like. So let's say the feedback you received about conducting observations or popping into classrooms informally is that it's distracting and it's kind of holding you back from really getting in there. Well, unfortunately, we can't just not do that. That's a big part of how we support people is to watch them in action. So we've got to hack the problem. And thank goodness these people were honest with you that you're making them distracted. I mean, you would have never known. And you don't want to be distracting. You want to be helpful. Uh, And you would never have known that had you not asked, had they not told you, had you not created that relationship so that piece of information could actually come forward. Here's some silly options, but things that I have seen others and myself do. You can wear sneakers into classrooms rather than loud shoes. Principals used to, we call them click clacks, whether they're high heels or whether they're men's business shoes with a little tiny heel at the back. Fine, wear them in the office or carry your your sneakers around with you. And right when you hop in a classroom, put the sneakers on and then you can change back. But the point is, if the click clacking is drawing attention to the kids, to you instead of to the lesson, but you want to get in there, eliminate the click clack. And I think teachers are going to appreciate you doing something, you implementing a solution. And they might giggle, but a lot of them are going to say, thank you. <laughs> you know, or maybe request that the doors are left ajar so that you can enter and exit easily. And this is what we did during summer school when I was coaching new teachers is the door could be somewhat shut as long as I could easily open it without hearing the click of the lock and creating this obvious entrance and exit. And that worked for them. Uh, Maybe even once you're in the classroom, you walk the perimeter to get a picture of what's happening rather than up and down rows, talking to kids, you know, very invasively walking up to the teacher. I know whisper coaching is an option, but if these folks are saying this is getting really distracting, especially maybe this is the beginning of you supporting them, then work with the information they're giving you and maybe warm up to get to where you want it to look, but don't just not show up and get into classrooms. Let's look at another scenario. 
let's say the feedback about staff meetings or your professional development sessions are that they're uninspiring or they're too formal or maybe even disconnected. Those are really hurtful words, ouch, but it is powerful feedback because remember, since they are the receivers, it's emotional pain that they are conveying to you. So you might have to read between some of the word choices or exaggerations, but I promise you there are nuggets of truth and helpful redirection if you look closely enough. Teachers are basically saying it's not inspiring them to take action and up their game. And it's stuffy and formal and feels disconnected from what they're facing each and every day. So it sounds like they could benefit from a more connected, casual approach. No problem. I mean, that's easy to fix. They're not saying you're not knowledgeable. You can't help me. They're saying the environment is not conducive to getting us to do what you're asking. Again, such powerful feedback and something easy for us to hack. Who says an effective PD or meeting has to be formal and disconnected and uninspiring? It doesn't. You know, maybe wear staff pride clothing during the staff meeting and during your PD sessions to kind of create that sense of camaraderie and culture. You know, a family feel. A simple wardrobe change makes the experience exciting to show up to. You know, insert your mascot and give it a name like Tiger Wednesday or Golden Blue PD. You know, whatever you want to do to create the environment that makes teachers want to come and learn, connect with their peers while they're there, and then push themselves to try new things to become more effective. If the goal is to be a learning experience for teachers during this time, and they're saying, hey, there's this obstacle of the way it's set up that's holding me back from really being present and giving it my everything, Friggin' get rid of the obstacle. It's something so easy that you can do by changing the vibe. And everyone's going to get excited to show up when you have a little theme. Or it feels like, hey, we can sit on the floor in our jeans rather than being in our heels and dresses. uh, Whatever you might be wearing to school. Hey, y'all, I just want to take a quick second to let you know support for this episode is brought to you by PowerSchool. They know teachers go above and beyond for students. But teachers need help too, especially as they're asked to do more every day. And that's why PowerSchool, now with Schoology, combines SIS, LMS, and assessment technology, empowering teachers with more time for what really matters. Visit www.powerschool.com slash time for teachers to find out how teachers are using technology to unlock student success. PowerSchool, time for teachers. Let's look at one more scenario. Let's do a personal example from my own leadership experience. So I have this horrible habit of speaking without taking time to soften the way it comes out. I am such a black and white person, and that is kind of a downfall in many areas. So when I say something, it's not that it's not helpful, But the way it's conveyed could be harsh or maybe even sound like it lacks empathy because I just gut you. I go right to the heart of what we're talking about. Not really warm you up. um, Not really doing a (laughs) a whole lot of, like I said, softening the edges. And I am so thankful for all the people in my life, personally and professionally, that have ever admitted these things to me because I would have never known 
that something I said was like, whoa, (laughs) that's a little much. And so it really goes to show that I am capable of building relationships and trust with people even after I hurt them. Because these people have told me this after a relationship was established. And so that means I can have a comeback. This isn't going to end my career, end my ability to be effective. It's an obstacle I need to think through. I can still, what I say, resurrect that partnership after I have a misstep. And I'd hate to just go around damaging people's self-esteem or their career trajectory. I care a lot about the people I serve. And the last thing I want to do is hurt their feelings. So what I did is I started paying close attention to body language when I was speaking, which means I needed to know more about what I was going to say ahead of time so I could be fully present to focus on that person. And, you know, their eyebrows would peak, their eye contact would go sideways, their head would hang low, their speech would go silent, they folded their arms or their legs and so forth. And so I learned to stop assuming that I hurt feelings and just call it out. And I'll say, like, did I say something that upset you? And immediately they'd confess or they'd look at me like I was crazy if I didn't because sometimes they just needed time to process But my clue detection, (laughs) I have to admit, was a little overly sensitive because I wanted so badly to get over this horrible habit. And so as I got faster at catching that body language change and then being able to recognize what the culprit was, you know, something specific I was saying was devoid of finesse, I would apologize and I would rephrase what I said so that what I meant had a chance to make it to their ears and to their minds and to the hearts. And so quickly I got the conversation back on track. I repaired any emotions before they escalated and I was able to move forward without any ill will. I really avoided leaving that conversation with a defeated teacher who then would just go talk to everyone under the sun about how they felt. And then there would be this tension created and some sort of aversion to working together in the future. And so because I was so clued in, I was able to pay attention and adjust in the moment so that we could get back to work. And that really shortened the loop of wasted time and lessons learned. It's almost become a superpower reflex. And I say that word reflex because I'm now doing it without thinking. And by acknowledging that I was misspeaking or that my tone was terse um, or the word choice wasn't right, Those I led watched how we can be imperfect in a moment, correct it, and move forward as an effective educator. And I was noticing that trickle into their classrooms about them fessing up to making a mistake or apologizing if they came off rude or irritated or frustrated because they had seen it modeled from a leader, realizing it's okay to actually do this and it builds relationships and they know what it feels like on the receiving end of it. Oh, thank goodness they acknowledge their misstep. And so because they knew how it felt, they passed that on to their students. So you might be wondering what my strategy of reversing the chain of command looks like. So let's break it down. Let's let's talk about three easy steps so that you can apply this in your teacher leader situation. And yes, I used alliteration because I just can't help it. Sorry, teacher for life. So step one, get feedback. You really want to know what happened, when does it often occur, and what do you wish happened instead? And that last part is really important because you want them to come up 
with a solution so you have better insight into what would make them feel better. The worst thing you can do is problem solve and your next solution still is not helpful. So having them tell you, I wish you would have said it like this. I wish you would have had refreshments at the PD session. I really wish you'd stop coming into my room after the do now is completed or whatever it is. And then let you know, this is what I'm actually asking of you. And that builds relationship that you're giving them the ownership to say, hey, here's a problem. Here's a selected adjustment. A formal principal of mine would always say, I don't want people to complain to me. And that used to frustrate me because I was like, don't you want to know what makes people upset? Like, don't, I mean, you're leading the school. And if all these people are upset about something, don't you want to know? She goes, no, I, I want solutions. And I'm like, okay. And she said, when you come to me and you're upset about something, tell me what you want it to look like, how it could be different, how it could be better. And then I'll decide if it's something we can do or maybe I tweak it from there. But I've got to know, more importantly, not only what it is that's not working, but how you want it to work. And it is powerful insight when someone basically shows you how they wish things could operate. Uh, so really powerful there on getting that feedback. What happened? When does it often occur? And what do you wish happened instead? The second step is gathering clues. Go hunt for clues that tell you whatever this is, is or isn't occurring. And for me, it was watching body language. You might have to listen to teachers chatting. You might send out a survey. You might ask during debriefs. However you get your information, but you want to start gathering the clues. Step three, after getting feedback and gathering clues, you want to make adjustments. You want to tweak your approach so that you can regain momentum. Remember, we're trying to help folks improve their proficiency because that helps students achieve in the classroom. We want to repair our missteps so that we can be better faster. And that's what I was saying. I was closing the loop. I was getting better at recognizing the signs. I could tweak my behavior in the moment and we got back on track. If you can just start doing that faster and faster each time, you're able to get to the work that matters most. And then just repeat this process until you feel like I'm no longer doing this whole analysis paralysis because that's a horrible habit and that's really time wasting. You want it to become a reflex where you do it in real time without thinking. You're just noticing, you're getting the feedback, you're gathering the clues if things are working with the way you've made the adjustment and continue tweaking it. So get feedback, gather those clues, go make adjustments. One thing I want to remind you is this. When you lead people, their feedback is personal and unique. And although you will find some trends among what they're saying, oftentimes opinions are not duplicated year to year, especially if you're making improvements. Some years you might have more sensitive folks. Other times you might have more sarcastic folks or younger folks, older folks, go-getters, reluctant folks. Some might really hate this one setup. The next year everyone might love it. It all depends on the who you have in front of you and how they operate. The point is, if you are truly paying attention and you're adjusting, it's not about crossing a problem off your to-do list never to see it again. It's about tweaking a response over and over until you find your flow. And then you'll get you know, a new teacher to lead, which means more information to take into consideration and alter your approach. This is a long game. It's never over. The feedback might change, 
but your habit of responding to the feedback doesn't. And that's what's going to make you successful, no matter the preferences or the desires of the people that you're leading. So if you learn how to pay attention, you can work less on formulating your adjustment plan and focus more on leading authentically because you adjust naturally without any hesitation. That's the goal. Information in, adjust approach, repeat. Instead of what I used to be doing, information in, think and overanalyze for days, creating lost leadership time, then adjust my approach, but then question the adjustment, get defensive, get self-conscious before repeating this deadly cycle again. It's exhausting and unhealthy. And hopefully you're laughing because you've been there. (laughs) But when it comes to developing your leadership potential and your skill set, the best piece of advice I can give you based on my experience is to reverse the chain of command. So instead of looking forward to those that lead you to tell you how to improve, look backwards to those that you lead. They hold all the nitty gritty secrets for how you can specifically get better because they experience your leadership the closest. So create a relationship so honesty can flow and then create the system to develop a consistent habit of catching things early. And so progress can happen on both ends, you being a leader, but also a learner. And if you want to chat through your specific situation and how this approach might apply, don't be shy. Shoot me an email at Gretchen at alwayslesson.com. We'll get you on the calendar and we'll hash it out. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's podcast on reversing the chain of command so that those you lead can be the ones that lead you towards effectiveness. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered.